And uh, tonight our topic has to do with um, eternal investments, investing in eternity. And that's our, our goal tonight, is making sure that we are all investing in eternity. And I hope that we can do that tonight as a church, and that can be our, our mission in Jesus' name. Matthew 26, and let me, let me go here. If you're ready, let's go. And it came to pass when Jesus had finished all these things, he said unto his disciples, Know ye not that after two days is the feast of the Passover, and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified? Then assembled together the chief priests and the scribes and the elders of the people unto the palace of the high priest, who was called Caiaphas, and consulted that they might take Jesus by sub subtly and kill him, but they said, not on the feast day, we're worried about there being an uproar among the people because there's a power that the people have that can control things. They're not going to touch Jesus with people around. Verse 6, and now when Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment. And this is what she did with the very expensive precious ointment. She poured it all over the head of Jesus. That sounds interesting, doesn't it? as he sat there at meat. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, they had secret distress, and they were very upset secretly inside their heart, and they began to whisper and say to each other, to what purpose is this waste? They called that offering or that act a waste. They thought that that money could have spent on, been spent better somewhere else. More specifically, verse nine, for this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. What they believed was you could have taken this and sold it and you could have dispersed it among poor people and they would have had a couple weeks to live on or a couple days to live on or a couple meals to live on. And they thought that was a better investment to give money to poor people than to invest into Jesus. So this is what's happening. And now look what verse 10, when Jesus understood it, he said to them, why are you troubling the woman? Why are you bothering her? For she has wrought a good work on me. Jesus did not did not agree with the, the ministers. He did not agree with the disciples. Jesus was thankful for what she did. He did not see it as a waste. He thought it was a good investment. He thought that all of that money was better spent on him than the poor. I know that's contrary to our belief system today, but that's what Jesus said. Here's why. Here's the logic. Are you ready for the logic? For the poor... You have the poor always with you. Now, how many of y'all know that you can give a poor guy a hundred bucks and he'll probably still stay poor? How many have ever turned a man's life around with a thousand dollars and he went, invested it and became great? It is very rare to give a poor man money and the poor man becomes wealthy or gets out of a hole because poor is a mentality. It's not how much money you have. People win the lottery and they, they blow it. They waste it. So what Jesus was saying was, is um, we're not just going to go out here and give money to the poor. When it can be spent on something eternal, we're not going to waste it on something temporal. And that was the context. So you won't always have me is what he said. For in that she has poured this ointment on my body. She did it for my burial. For verily I say unto you, where, wheresoever the gospel shall be preached in the whole world, shall also this that this woman hath done be told for her for a memorial for her. What this woman did with that precious, expensive oil is going to be remembered forever. And here we are, thousands of years later, talking about her because of her investment into Jesus. 
Verse 14, then one of the 12, Judas Iscariot, because we're not just talking about one who decided to give things up. Now we're going to talk about the other who decided to take things. Now Judas Iscariot comes onto the scene. One of the 12 went to the chief priests and said to them, what will you give me? Now look at the switch and the two characters in the story. One said, let me bring something of value to Jesus. The other said, let me capitalize on the death of Jesus. One said, let me invest into the death of Jesus. The other said, let me gain something from the death of Jesus. See the difference? Now Judas was trying to gain. He went to the chief priest and said in verse 15, what will you give me? I'll give him to you. I will sell you Jesus for information. I will find out where he's at and get it to you. And then you can take him and do what you want. And they made a deal for 30 pieces of silver. Judas betrayed Jesus betrayed Jesus he was going to die either way but one invested into it partnered with it and the other tried to make profit off of it the two differences here and from that time he saw opportunity to betray him everybody say in Jesus name you can be seated tonight and thank you for coming thank you so much for watching online we missed you tonight we're so glad you're here and we hope that you'll you'll be blessed tonight in the word of the Lord Using this tonight, I really just want to try to talk from my heart a little bit with this as our basis to jump off of because um, we are in a building year and we're in a year of great changes that are happening. We're past COVID for the most part. We are in the middle of a COVID wave, but this feels nothing like two years ago. Aren't you glad? <laughs> oh man, I am so thankful that while people are getting COVID, we're not having COVID and all the other. It's just COVID right now. I'm thankful it seems to be less deadly. We've learned a lot about it. I feel like we're past that season. So now what will we do? Now what will we do here at Austin First Church? Well, the Lord told me that this is our building year. It's our year to build. Now back to our text, the disciples completely missed it. They were upset at the woman for wasting her expensive oil on Jesus. They figured the poor needed the money, like many people do. The problem is that they had indignation. It wasn't just a difference of opinion. They literally thought this was bad. They thought that the decision was a bad decision. Anything that Jesus allows is a good decision. And the fact that they would question the woman that was doing it to Jesus is the same as questioning Jesus. And they had indignation and they were upset. They were distressed. They were disturbed. This wasn't a casual difference of opinion. They literally couldn't see the benefit of using something like finances, like money, like value for something like this. They thought it was a waste to spend it on Jesus. They thought the kingdom was in worse shape by using it on Jesus rather than using it on the poor. It's kind of like having a board meeting or having a meeting with your team and saying, what are we going to do with our money? And half the group saying, let's go outside and let's give it away to poor people because that's what Christians do. That is the uh, human response. That's something that we probably think would be good because we love people. We care for people. We hate to see people poor and not have things. And so the first thing that pops up in our mind is, let's help people temporarily. Let's help people with the earth. Let's help people live a little longer. And the, the instinct of carnal men is to help people carnally. The instinct of carnality is to give people what you would want, and that is a little bit of money. What you love is oftentimes what you want to give. What you care about, what matters to you is what you think they would need. 
And so the first thing that came to their mind is, is we should take this money and we could give it away to poor people because there's poor people everywhere. Remember, we're loving, giving people. So why are we, why are we standing back letting this woman do this? This was a waste. And that's the way that the context was going until Jesus chimed in and said, hold on a minute, wait a minute, you're going to always have poor people. You're going to always have poor people, always. You can't get the poor out of the poor by giving them money. You can't make people get out of the hole that they're in with money. You won't fix it with money. There's no way to solve the world's problems by investing in the world with money. You can't buy your way out of trouble. Money is the issue, and giving people money can make it worse. So Jesus said, no, this is not the way to fix things with the poor. Giving them money is not the way to get them out of their problem." In fact, he began to talk about how the best investment is not to give to the poor, but just what she's doing right now to me is the best investment. Because poor is a mentality. And the reason why I want to talk about it is because, number one, it is in context, it's biblical, and because we live in a lower income area. This isn't Westlake, this isn't the north side of town, this isn't the nice area that people that we deal with are pretty average to low income, and we will have a lot of people come to our church that are low income, but the problem is not how much money they have, the problem is the mentality they come from. They come from a mentality of always take, always take, always take. They're not givers. If they would become a giver, they would receive raises on their jobs. If they would become a giver and love people, they would have better relationships. And they would, by default, receive more money. So what he was saying was, you can't fix poor mentality and poor people with giving them money. Because they'll just blow it. They need more than money. People need more than a good 4th of July celebration and hot dogs at AMC. They need Jesus. What people need is a total restructuring of their faith and their mind and their mentalities. Because if you can get people Jesus, then they can take the little money that they have and God can use it and turn it and flip it. So what Jesus was saying was pretty revolutionary. He was saying, no, 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 we don't need to go give away all the money to the poor. Not when you could spend it on me. And this was an awkward moment, much like the awkward silence here tonight. So if we don't give it to the poor, Jesus, what do we give the money to? Jesus said, give it to me. Invest it in me. Invest in my purpose. Invest in my mission. Invest in what I told you I was going to go do. Die. I told you I'm going to give my life. I told you I'm going to be a sacrifice. I told you that I would be dead and buried, and I told you I would rise again. I want you to partner with my words. I want you to partner with my mission. I want you to partner with my dream and my vision for the world. If you can partner and spend your money and give your investments into my investments and to what I believe in, then I, I, when I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me, he said. That doesn't mean in praise. That means lifting up him on the cross. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. The best thing you'll ever put your investments in is to Jesus, his mission, his kingdom, 
his purpose. If we could spend our, our money, our time, and our talents on Jesus, his mission, his plan, his mentality, his direction, what he wants to do, then he said, I could help the poor people. You know, it's, it's virtue signaling to say we should help the poor without giving them Jesus. You've helped no one if you have not given them Jesus. You've helped no one if you have not baptized them in Jesus' name and helped them receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Giving money away to the poor is virtue signaling. It doesn't change anybody. It just makes you look really spiritual like the Pharisees. We spend our time, our talent, our finances on the mission of Jesus. Because if we can lift up Jesus, if we can invest in Jesus, he said, I will fix them. I will save them. I will bless them. We only have so much precious oil, let's be honest. They tell us, the scholars tell us that this precious oil was maybe worth a year's worth of wages. 300 pence back in their day, equivalent to about $56,000 a year here in our modern terms. That's a good chunk of money. You could feed a lot of people with that. But we only have so much. Can anybody testify and say we only have so much oil? And because we only have so much oil, we got to be real careful what we do with our oil. Because we only have 56,000, we can't do everything. We've got to make sure we pray and we seek God and we ask Him, where do you want us to put this? Because we've got to do it your way. If we can lift you up with the 56,000, if we could do something that lifts you up, then you would draw men. You would call men. So we need to pray. We need to ask God, what do you want us to do with our investments? What do you want us to do with what we have? What do you want us to do with our talent and our time and our treasure? Because we have to make sure that we are investing in something that is eternal, that lifts up Jesus. Anything that we do at AFC, it needs to lift up Jesus. Every dollar we spend needs to lift up Jesus. Every time we have a calendar event, it needs to lift up Jesus. Everything we do needs to partner with his plan. I want to partner with the plan of Jesus. I want to hear his voice. I want to hear his voice. I want to know his word. I want to put the investment where it makes the most impact. That should be the prayer of all of us is that it might seem like a waste to some, but not to Jesus. You can never waste spending your time and your money and your talent on Jesus. You'll never waste your time spending it in prayer. You'll never waste your time spending it in the Word of God. Others may say it's a waste, but Jesus says you'll never waste it spending it on me. If you can find a way to invest into me, I'll make a way for everybody else. I'll make a way for everybody else. I was at my land recently that the Lord has blessed us with before prices went crazy. I want to make sure that's clear, because if I told you I bought land today, y'all would surely be losing your mind. (laughs) Everything's gone crazy, but the Lord blessed us, and I was there recently, and that contractor, I'm pretty angry at him, because he took my perfectly good land, and he began to dig it up. I love the way that it looks, but here he is tearing it up. He's digging. He's cutting it muddy nasty and when i asked my contractor what are you think you're doing to my beautiful land he's saying do you want a good foundation but i i like the way it was i don't want you messing with my land do you want a good foundation but i don't want to disturb anything do you want a good foundation the lord spoke to me and said this is our building year you know what every building has to have 
before you start building? Cutting, digging, messy, muddy, displacement, breaking down, tearing up. It looks like we're going backwards, but the truth is we're going forwards. It looks like we're not winning. It looks like it's not going to build. It looks like there's no way we can go up from here, but he's going down first. Because before you can build up, you've got to learn how to tear down. So I had a revelation recently, and the revelation is what God is doing in my home, God is painting a picture of what he wants to do in our church. And that's why God said it's your building year. We're going to build the church. We're going to build the kingdom. He told me personally, go ahead and build your home. And so what God is using is an illustration. I'm getting to watch God build with my own eyes. And God is speaking to me about this process that our church is in symbolically. That we have been through a season of what is happening. COVID, new pastor, what's going on in pastor's body, tearing down. God, where are you at? I'm working, but it doesn't feel like we're building yet. I know, because I've got to get the ground right. I've got, you know what the builder told me? He said, I've got to get the topsoil off because it's not good to build on. And I've got to get some good dirt from down the road. And I've got to bring the better dirt down the road back into this dirt to, to mix it in so you can build a good foundation. He said, I want to mix in some good dirt from down the road. Yeah. And bring it in to here and mix it in with the established dirt. Take off the top coat that won't last and move it aside. That's what is happening right now on my land. Do you feel the symbol of what may be happening in our church? This is what happens in every church, not just our church. We're not that special. This is how God works in the kingdom. God will have a season that you'll go through where it's the tearing down. It's the tearing the shallow out that looks pretty. It looks fine, but he scrapes it all off. He gets down and then he adds in the right clean stuff. And then after you survive the process and you pay the price, and you better know I'm paying the price. I think they quoted me $8,000 for the tearing. Yeah. But it's vital to pay the price for the building process. And so God said it's a building year. And God said you need to endure the digging process. You need to endure the cutting process. You won't like it. It won't be fun. Don't shout over it. Don't celebrate over it because it's not fun tearing and digging and cutting. But it is vital. And only God can do it. But once you get it done, you can begin to build your foundation, your core and that's something else that we've been doing at AFC. We've been trying to invest in the right leadership, in the right place, in the right position. In the Bible, you and I both know that Jesus had three that were close to him. Then he had 12 that were the core. And then that 12 turned into 120. And from the 120, the first church was born and the world was turned upside down. And 3,000 were added to the church. But there's got to be a core. And we're trying to spend our time searching and praying and seeking God. Who are the core members of the church? Because if you have a core, you can build and do anything. You just got to first work on the foundation. I promise you, I'm not neglecting you if you're not in the 120. But if I don't get the 120 right, there's no hope for the 3,000. I'm not trying to ignore anybody right now, but I am focusing my attention and my time on the core. I, I have figured out that I can't be everybody's Jesus. There's just not enough of me to go around. Just like Jesus couldn't be everybody's Jesus, and 
I know that might sound weird, but let me just say it like this. Physically speaking, he could only physically be at one place at a time. So he imparted himself into other men that they could carry his gifts and his abilities and his word and his knowledge. And wherever they went, it was the same as if Jesus went. And that is what's happening right now at AFC. We've been praying, God, for the last several months, God, who do you want us to do this and do that and put over that? And we're shifting things and we're moving things. And I thank God for the great work so far Brother Diego, Sister Becca have done as our youth pastor. They are doing an incredible job. I am so grateful for what God is doing through our youth pastor and his wife. Our whole youth team is coming together. It's amazing to see what God is doing. I'm so thankful for Andrew and Carla and how God is moving on them as our kids' pastor. And they have got vision and dreams and I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful for the Omar and Sister Lorena. We're so glad they're back from Italy. We feel sorry for them going over there. I know it was rough on them. Eating pizza and climbing on towers that are leaning and stuff like that. But I'm glad they didn't fall. But we're trying to build. We're trying to build. We're working on it right now because we have to have a good foundation. And we want a strong foundation. And we're not trying to avoid anybody. We just have to have a good foundation. Because it's too big for us. It's too big for me. I would be foolish to think that I could do it and my wife and I could do it alone. We have to have a team. We have to invest in people and be close to people. And that team can go out and work. We've got to pick people that are not just performance, but people that are trust people. When the Navy SEALs were asked, how do you get the best of the best, like SEAL Team 6? Um, how do you get the best of the best? The Navy, said, uh, the Navy SEALs said that if you look at a chart... There are two things that you want to find the perfect uh, Navy SEAL, and that is someone high on performance and somebody high on the charts of trust. And ultimately, if you're, if you're like this, you want to have the diagonal line perfect in both. You want to have high trust and you want to have high performance. But to find someone like that would be impossible because nobody is perfect in performance and perfect in trust. So the question came up, where do you compromise? Do you compromise on trust or do you compromise on performance? And they said, if we go after someone who is all performance and no trust, they're a toxic environment to work with. They said, we would rather have somebody a little less performing and higher on trust. The Navy SEALs would rather you not be so strong, rich, you can help us if you're not trust trustworthy. The Navy SEALs would rather me pick a leader to be over a department that maybe wasn't as high on performance if they're high on trust. Because don't, don't forget, y'all, we don't need power. We've already got it. We don't need gifts. God already gave them to us. What we need is anointing. And we get anointing through trust, through walking with God. And what the church needs to build on is trust, not performance. What do we have to have in the church? We have to have trust. I'm not worried about performance. God, God can anoint you. God can make you strong. God can give you money. God can take the poorest of you, and he can give you all the performance in the world. I'm not concerned about performance. If we had all performance saints and no trust, we'd kill each other. Pastor, why are you talking so much about unity and having a good, good atmosphere and no gossip? Because if we don't have trust, who cares how many devils we can cast out? We'll have to keep casting devils out if we don't get trust. Pastor, I work really hard around here. Shouldn't I be promoted? Are you trustworthy? Yeah, you're right. You are a hard worker. You're really good at what you do. You've got great performance, but the Navy SEAL wouldn't even pick you. 
Because you have to be trustworthy. If you're not trustworthy, you can't be a great warrior. You can't be a team player. So we need to take a lesson out of the Navy SEALs, and we need to make sure that we're building a foundation of trusting each other, opening confession, uh, talking to each other, uh, forgiving each other, loving each other, because that is what is going to build the church. It's a building year. We're also building financial partners and business owners at AFC. I don't know how we're going to do it with a Del Valley income, but we've got big financial dreams here in Del Valley. I could care less uh, about the fact that we're in a low-income area. God's going to send the money from somewhere, some way, and it's going to probably come through you and through your vision and your dreams. And so we believe that God is going to raise up financial partners in this church that are going to look at this area and say, Del Valley deserves a great church. I know nobody else is moving here. I know there's no big millionaires that are Christian moving around here planting the church. I get it, but it's left to us, y'all. It's going to be me and you. And you might be saying, I'm poor, and I say God's going to do it through somebody. It might as well be some of y'all. You might as well be saying, we've got to build a church here at Del Valley. I don't know how we're going to do it, but this is my area. This is my calling. This is my church. And we're going to have to partner and build financially. Like some of y'all are going to have to start getting a vision of being rich. I hate to say it, but that's just the truth. Some of y'all are going to have to dream big. And if it's none of y'all, God will send them, but someone's going to have to. Yeah, because that's the only way we're going to do it. Everybody's got to do their part, y'all. Some of y'all don't want to preach. You're good at making money, so go do it. You'll be blessed. You'll have nice things, but then we'll build the kingdom. So we have to build, not just build with hard workers and talent and performers. We have to build with financiers. And I believe God's going to give us favor and we're going to do it. We need to learn to build wealth. And that is not bad to think about. What could we do if we had money? What could we accomplish? We could stop loaning and paying interest. Wasting money. Yeah. God can do it. And God will do it through us. And we've got to be thinking about that. It is not carnal for you to say, God, I'm praying, I'm fasting, I'm spiritual. And I want to be a financier of the kingdom. That is not carnal. Some people have a gift for it, uh, and others don't. So you've got to be you. You've got to do it your way. And you've got to pray and say, God, maybe I can't preach. Maybe I can't sing. Maybe I can't push a broom. My back hurts. But maybe I can be a financier. Yeah. I'm not afraid. If God's going to do it, God's going to do it through somebody. And so we're going to build, not just build with spirit but we're going to build physically we're going to have physical things tools that we can utilize to make sure jesus is lifted up right now this room was built with hard-earned money and sweat but guess what we're doing right now in this room we're lifting up jesus it took money it took sacrifice it took time but think of the devils we've cast out think of the miracles that have taken place think of the times we've gathered and strengthened all because somebody invested finances in this room in this material in this carpet we've done something with it we're not wasting this building we're going to use it we're going to lift up jesus in this room so do what you can in your personal life to increase your finances just another moment talking about your personal finances i want you to be individually blessed financially because you're happier when you can pay your bills yeah anybody yeah you're, you're a sourpuss when you can't now you're laughing good i finally got y'all i had to switch it the other way you're like oh i don't have any money oh yeah i can relate with that i don't have any money 
You're a sourpuss. You wonder where God's at. You think he's forsaken you. It's an amazing how there's a connection between whether you have money to pay your bills and the spirit of you. Some of y'all get so depressed when you're under financial stress. How are we going to win the city if we're always under financial stress? We're always stressing out working five jobs. How are you going to do outreach working five jobs? So if, if we don't get financially free and make good investments and think about these things, it will tie us down and we can't build his kingdom. So you have to think about stuff like that. You have to be thinking about ways that you can be financially free and you as an independent person can make sure that you're doing well financially, not for your own dreams and visions, but for the kingdom. If you think God's going to bless you financially so that you can just do your own thing, you missed it. God wants to bless you so that you can be a blesser. And if you will ever partner with what you currently have, God can trust you with more. That's how this thing works. Let me give you an example, okay, of how pastors trying to do the same thing. I'm building a home right now that when it's done very easily, it will probably have 30% automatic in, in uh, value already on top once it's done. They've already appraised my home, just the plans for well over what I'm building it for. This right here could be worth millions of dollars one day that can be a retirement that I will not have to pull from the church. Do you see how I'm doing it? I'm thinking about the kingdom with every move that I make. And I don't talk about this stuff because it's none of your business, but I'm doing it today because I'm teaching you something, okay? I'm teaching you that I'm making financial investments that will bless the kingdom. Because the more I take care of me, the less you have to. Or we can keep doing it the old-fashioned way where I just collect the salary all the time. What if I got to the point and our ministers got to the point to where we had our own thing going and we didn't have to fund anymore through the tithing and we could just send missionaries and send people and send Bonnie? What if we could just do smart things financially? So we're trying to do that very same thing. If I, had, if I had enough value in my home, I could take a loan out against my own home and do something for the kingdom. You could too. You could too. If we will think about these things, we won't have to come up here and go, can anybody get $5? Peanut brittle, peanut brittle, peanut brittle. Let's make peanut brittle. You know, y'all, we have made enough peanut brittle to save 14 worlds, okay? Enough peanut brittle. Let's think bigger. God wants us to build before the rapture takes place, and we're over here working at Kroger, saving money and hoarding, and all the rich folks are on YouTube saying, here's how you get rich. And we're like, no, no, no. That's not right. I'm like, what? We have got to think God wants to bless me. God wants to bless me. God wants to use me. He wants me to start a business. He wants me to invest somewhere. I heard that in 2011, if you bought a Bitcoin for $1,000, it was worth like $140 million in 2018. Where was y'all at? Where was I at? What was I doing in 2011? How stupid was I? I could have come up with $1,000 in 2011. The kind of investments we miss that we're not thinking about because we're not thinking about building the kingdom. If you will get your mind on this, God, how can I build the kingdom? I'm telling you the Lord would love to partner with you if you want to partner with his purpose. Make investments. Find a way. Talk to someone who has money and say, I want to be blessed financially so that I can build the kingdom. Third, we're investing into building our building right here as a tool for Jesus to use. This is not our building. This is his building. It's a tool that we want to utilize for the training, for prayer meetings, for growth. 
everything we own, everything we do, every dime we spend, we want to make sure that it all points to Jesus and people have a chance to be able to be saved. That's the purpose of this facility. We don't worship it. We built it not to worship it. We built it so that people will learn how to worship. We built it so people will point to Jesus and to seek Him. Everything we're doing and investing right here at AFC, we're doing it because we want people to see Jesus. We're trying to hire out people that we can afford. We're trying to. You know why? Because we don't want our people killing themselves at AFC and 105 degrees mowing and having all of y'all out there with allergy problems and broke, broke uh, backs and hitting bumps on the mower and all that. If you haven't done it, it's a lot of work. So we're trying to do our best to hire it out to make it streamlined, to make it efficient because everything we do, we want to make it more available for the kingdom. I'd rather have the preachers preaching than mowing. I'd rather have the musicians playing than mowing. Let's let somebody mow. Let's let anybody mow. But let's get the people that can lift up Jesus out of the mower and doing ministry. Let's get people that can preach and teach and do Bible studies, doing preaching and teaching and Bible studies. I want to free up and spend the money right. I want to make sure we can, we can get these things done efficiently because I want to make sure that we're, we're doing stuff for the kingdom. Even with us trying to hire people at AFC, we still need these old-fashioned things called work days. You know why we need work days at AFC? Because some of y'all ain't never talked to each other before. When I was growing up, I made most of my friends on work days. There's something about carrying a couch with your brother that makes you close. Y'all high five and you shake hands and you never see each other again. But when you come together for a work day, it puts sweat equity into the kingdom. Where you see eyeball to eyeball with a brother or a sister. And you say, we're in this together we're working together. I don't, you don't just need to work because we need it. You need to work because you need it. Because you need to get up here and invest in the tool that God is using to reach the city. We need to have work days because they unify us. They get us together. And watch this. They save us money. Y'all, this is just the season we're in right now. We're in a season of building. So it's on the forefront. Pastor, I can't afford to give anything. How much does your time cost? I totally agree with some of y'all. Times are tough. Gas is high. Pastor, I'm sorry. I, I, can't, I can't afford to give an extra $5. The weeds need pulled. That costs us 100 bucks a week. Yeah, so that's the point I'm trying to make. I want you to catch the spirit of it. Pastor, I'm sorry. I can't, I can't afford it. I agree with you. I know some of y'all really can't afford it. Can you come up and work? Because whenever you work for the kingdom... We don't have to pay for it. Yeah. Some of you are professionals in your job. Some of you know how to do things. If you will use your skills for the kingdom, we won't have to hire it out. And that is the same thing as an offering. Because anything we don't have done around the church, we have to pay for, which means we have to raise money for, which means we have to come at you and say, let's raise money for it. But if you're serving at the church, if you're volunteering at the church, that's the same as money we didn't have to spend. Brother Cooney taught me that why, why in the world would I not just fix my own stove when it breaks? I'm paying myself to fix it. Thank you, Brother Cooney. That's a great way to look at it. One day I was at his house, and it broke down. He was down there trying to fix his stove from 1975. And he, <laughs> you, could tell, you could tell he doesn't buy stuff unless he absolutely has to. And, and here's how he looked at it. As long as I'm fixing it, I'm paying myself to fix it. Y'all, when you work for the church... You're giving money that we don't have to, to give. And so 
I want to just take our new city-fied day we're living in, and I want to remind you that when you volunteer and work at the church, you're saving the church money. It's equivalent to a financial blessing. Sometimes we say it like this, I can't afford it, but, but what about your time? Do you have time? Yeah. You, you have time. This is a building year. We're calling everybody to the forefront of the battle to find your place. Find your place. How can you help? How can you work? How can you, how can you do it? How can you help out? In my closing tonight, um, Jesus said, what this woman has done will be mentioned for generations to come. The unnamed woman created a legacy because she invested into Jesus. It will live on forever. Live on forever. Every dime that you give to the kingdom lives on forever. Every work day you show up to lives on forever. We're only here today because of people like Sister Sharp, who they tell me that the building's still there from down in, in Austin, where Austin First Church started. I would love to buy the building one day, use it as an outreach center. So you got to dream big. I'd love to be able to do something like that. But we're only here today because of the legacy that somebody else left. Because one person's box of oil may seem like just a little in the scheme of things, but if it's eternal, it always keeps moving forward. Anything you invest in that is Jesus' mission is never a waste. Stop calling things like an offering a waste. Stop calling things like a workday a waste of time. Stop calling anything you do for the kingdom a waste of time. Because anything you do that matches the will of God and the mission of Jesus is a legacy that goes on forever and ever and ever and it will never be forgotten. If you want to invest into eternity, partner with the plan of Jesus to build a church right here in Del Valley with us, to reach souls, hungry people and hearts that need us. That is the purpose of our church and the purpose of Jesus. And whenever you invest into that, you invest into something that will live beyond you. The woman died, but not the thing she did. And all of us are going to die. But not every dime, every time, everything you do for the kingdom, it lives on. You know what doesn't live on? The things you do for yourself. Because in the very same moment, there's another man named Judas. He also believes that Jesus is serious about dying. So much that he wants to go help it and speed it up. And instead of him investing his finances into the plan of Jesus, he looks for a way to make money and profit off of Jesus. And the Bible says that Judas went down and he made a deal to betray Jesus. And he wanted to profit off of Jesus, not partner with Jesus. He made a deal for 30 pieces of silver. And other references tell us that he went out with that and he bought a piece of land and it killed him. Because he ended up hanging himself on that land that was supposed to be the blessing and the fruit of his transaction. But you can't build on land that you bought by being selfish. Anything that you do for yourself will kill you.
selfishness, self-kingdom building will destroy you and your children and your legacy. For we know in the Bible that nothing ever grew or ever happened with Judas's property he bought with blood money. It was a barren land. And there are two types of people in the kingdom. There are people that look to profit off of the church, take all that they can get, milk it dry, and there are people that try to invest into it. And you're either the one that lives on or the one that is forgotten. You're either the one that has fruit in your future or a barren place. You're either the one that said, I'm going to partner with Jesus or I'm going to profit off of Jesus. You have to pick which one you're going to be because this is our building year and I think we're much better off partnering with the mission of Jesus than trying to sit in this society saying, how can I get mine? Everything we do, every decision we make should be based on, are we lifting Jesus up? Every purchase, am I lifting Jesus up? Take a vacation, great. Did Jesus get lifted up on the vacation? Are you all closer or do you hate each other more? Let's lift up Jesus when we spend our money. Let's lift up Jesus when we buy something. Let's lift up Jesus when we go somewhere. Let every decision be a partnership with Jesus. Because if we can make our decisions that will glorify him and lift him up, we know that the byproduct of that investment is he will draw all men unto him. Let us lift Jesus up with every decision that we make. That's the only way to be blessed, only way to be remembered, the only way to have a legacy is to spend it on the things of Jesus. This is our building here, ladies and gentlemen. And we're building people, we're building the kingdom, we're building this building, literally, physically, we're building it. And we're not done, we're just getting started. And here's what's going to happen. It's going to cost us but I promise you, that box of oil may be one year's worth. I like how the Bible tells us how much time she bought. But check it out. A man's time, it was one year. But on God's time, it was generational and never stopped. I like how the Bible tells us that the money was worth amount of time. Isn't that neat? She thought she was just giving up a year. But what God says with me, when you give me a year, I'll make it last for eternity. When you give me one thing, I'll make it triple and quadruple and be exponential. Because when you invest in the kingdom, there is the best return. It's heavenly. It's souls. My pastor, Brother Sharp, told me, I asked him some advice one time about finances. He said, brother, we never spend a dime unless it helps souls get to heaven. He said, we make sure it helps souls get to heaven. It's all about souls getting to heaven. Everything we do, let it glorify God. Everything we do, let it bring glory to Jesus. Every dime we spend, everything on our schedule, look at your calendar. Does it bring glory to Jesus? You can spend more than just money. You spend your time, your thoughts, your energy. Let it glorify Jesus. Because he does not count it as a waste. He does not get frustrated. You can't waste it on him. You can only invest it into him. And God is going to help us build and reach people and bless people and love people 
right here at AFC. I'm excited about it, and I'm looking forward to the future of our church and what God is doing. Be patient with us, AFC, as we invest in people and leaders. We've got a long way to go. We want to spend a lot of time with our new kids pastor, our youth pastor, other leaders in our church. We're spending time with them, trying to grow them, disciple them. And so be patient because this is our building year. Be patient. We're almost done. You've been patient on this building. It's getting very close. God bless you. But we are, we are being patient and we're growing. And God's got his hand on many ministers in this room right now that they are going to be able to go out and be evangelists and pastors and teachers. It's amazing to see what God is doing behind the scenes in our church. It's exciting to see the building components of every part of our church. Hope Silo, every part of our church, our quizzers. God is blessing in every area. I love to see the building. It's a building year. It's exciting. Find your place and tap into it. Find your way of investing because what you do here at AFC, what you do for the kingdom, it will live on forever and it will be a memorial of you, a memorial of you. It will never, ever be forgotten by Jesus, what you do. And God is going to bless us. I'm excited. Before we, we end tonight, just give you a little update on things. We, we're closing hopefully tomorrow and then we'll have access to funding we can only use the funding for things that have to do with construction. So the loan was set up in a way to where I can't grab 10 grand out and go to Hawaii. If you see me go to Hawaii, it's not with that money. I do want to go to Hawaii, but it'd probably be a while. But uh, it's set up to where it's, it's basically safe. So I have to prove that it's spent on the church before it can be spent. So just a fun fact for you to know. The money is completely safe. It has to be verified. Our goals are, number one, to finish the upstairs of the church because that's what's been lingering, even though it's very close. We've got to work a lot on our doors. We've got to finish some flooring on our, our youth center. We've got to get an elevator in, which can take about three months or so to install because they have to build the elevator inside the shaft because our church is already done. So they've got to piece every part together inside the shaft. That will take time. We've got some plumbing we want to do to hopefully put some more bathrooms upstairs. If only we had a plumber in our church. And we'll pray in that God will bless him and use him. And so we're, uh, we've got some big dreams, and God has blessed us, and we're looking forward to it. Um, after our upstairs and our elevator is done, we see with our leftover money what we have. And our secondary goal is to come in here and try to make sure our sanctuary can fit as many people as possible. The reason why we want to do that is because it's very expensive to build a new building. And we have to maximize every square inch of the building that God's already given us. Fill it up as best as we can. Trust me, you, unless God blesses, you do not want to start a building project right now uh, with the city of Austin and the challenges and the expenses. It would be multi, multi, multi millions of dollars to build another sanctuary. We've got to use this one the best we can. So we're going to try to make it fit as many as people so that we can grow, pay off the building, and move forward. And so those are the phases. Those are our priorities. We'll keep you updated along the way. But I'm excited about it. It's very, it's very close. We're almost there. Thank you for being patient. But besides all that, that's not the most important thing. The most important thing for us is let's be at church. Let's be winning souls. Let's teach Bible studies. Let's worship. Let's love each other. Let's have revival. And let's make sure we're lifting up Jesus. And by the way, y'all, I love the Testimony Tuesdays. That's awesome. That is amazing. Thank you for your testimonies. And I hope you will tell your testimony on Tuesday. If you have a testimony, you're a member of our church. 
and you want to tell your testimony, uh, you got to be a member of our church primarily and then, uh, you know, go through great steps. If that's you and you've been changed, we want you to testify because it is powerful to hear your stories. I feel so much closer to some of you who already told your testimonies. I feel like I know more about you, your past, your struggles, and there's many more in this church that are powerful. And so thank you for your testimonies. I think it's powerful. It's amazing. Uh, God is going to bless our church. We're looking forward to it. All right, y'all, this weekend is going to be a great time. Let's all stand to our feet. This weekend is going to be a great time in the Holy Ghost, our Freedom Day. And we're looking forward to it in Jesus' name. Invite somebody to 6 o'clock. We're going to have the ice cream truck out, so you can prepare for that. I think they're going to be doing some elotes, which is corn in the Greek. And uh, no, that's, I think it's Spanish for something. I don't know what it means, but it means something to do with corn that tastes good. That's what it means in Spanish, good tasting corn. But it's going to be a good time. It's going to be amazing, and we're looking forward to it this weekend. And I hope that you're all going to be here. We love you all very much. Thank you all for all you do at AFC to make this a great place. Don't forget, we have a, I think we have a kids meeting that I think Brother Andrew for the te- ki- uh, kids team members, I think after service. Sound people, please get with Brother Daniel back here and talk to him before you leave tonight. Make sure they're all good to go before you go. And we will see you all this week. And everybody say in Jesus' name. God bless you, and we love you all. We'll see you all this weekend. Shake hands, and let's be friendly. Don't forget your children.